1: Hey, what's going on, y'all, denizens of the internet? Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast. What's up, y'all, from the Get Geek crew? I'm Jose. This is Wolfie. AJ.
0: Eli. And this is Gina Carano's protege, Wolf. <laughs> oh, boy. I had to put that out there, especially about what we're talking about. Oh, I think we're going to get to <laughs> that. Oh, man. It sounds like we're <laughs> oh, going to get man. to that.
2: i <laughs> before <laughs> well, we get to I now. can already see how how, how this conversation is going to go. Well, maybe up. Yeah, not today, no. but you know. Yeah. Wait, wait she's, until she's we get out to... there with that stuff. Yeah,
1: a little bit, but we shall discuss it, and before we discuss it, I just want to give our usual spiel and disclaimers. Um this week there is a higher likelihood, at least on my end of sound issues and artifacts because we are recording remotely as we always are. I am in a cabin in the woods. Um, not to be confused with the movie title. Um, And so I'm here with my girlfriend and my dog, and that was probably just him that you heard shaking a little bit in his cage right now. So sound issues and artifacts today are probably going to be more likely. Please bear with us. And of course, you can give us any feedback and let us know if there's any sound issues, artifacts, or other issues that you have with the podcast that you love so much. And of course, as always, the best way to support your favorite podcast crew is to like, rate, share, and subscribe to the Get Geek Podcast. You can find us where all your favorite podcast platforms are sold. You can find us on all your favorite social media platforms. You can find us if you try. So please try to find us and like, rate, share, and subscribe to the Get Geek Podcast. So yeah, thank you very much for dealing with our disclaimers once again this week, and let's get started. What's our topic for today, guys? Well, what is our topic today? Yeah,
0: tell us not quite sure. Tell us. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the topic for today is is something that we've touched upon on some of our previous uh, podcasts, um, but maybe we've only touched upon it maybe like five to ten minutes, and uh, Wolfie suggested that this would be a great time uh, to talk about it as a a podcast episode in whole, because I, I do believe that this is something that bears talking about. And what we're talking about today is toxic fandom and um, the ramifications of that, not only now, but going forward. Um, I I, I could just, me personally, you know, there are numerous things that you could draw upon and say, well, this is an example of toxic fandom. You know, you have instances in video games of swatting. That's a a weird phenomenon, you know. Um, I remember, you know, fans of Rick and Morty descending down on on McDonald's because they wanted those Szechuan packets, <laughs> and and literally, literally berating and physically having confrontations with employees when they ran out. You know, there I could you could name a dozen of them. I, I'm pretty sure you guys can do it's the same terrible, as well.
2: Yeah. So, with that being said, why don't we just go around real quick and, and, and you know, I want to know what you guys perceive exactly as toxic fandom. Um, I, I, I feel like there's different, there's so many different ways, so many different examples, like Walt said, of toxic fandoms, uh, I guess, um, uh, the, the, the backlash or their, the, the actions caused by the toxic fandom, you know, I guess, you know, almost an epidemic. I would say, yeah. Um, but but what are you? What are you guys? You know, like you know, starting with what? What's your definition of toxic fandom? If you well, could put it into one sentence, what is
0: it? It's interesting because you know, I before before as trying to get prepared for this podcast, the first thing I did was I googled the meaning of fanatic. You know, and and the meaning mm, of fanatic interesting. is. A person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal, especially for an extreme religious or political cause, religious fanatics. But we use that term um, not only for religious and political purposes, but we use it for entertainment purposes also. A fan of a project, a fan of a property, is you're a fanatic. You know, you love the property. The problem is, is when you take that to the next level and and it becomes, it stops becoming fandom and it starts becoming bullying, it starts becoming intimidation, it starts becoming harassment, you know, and like I said, we've seen numerous instances of this where people are going around bullying other people about it. You see the forums, there's always, you can never go on a forum that doesn't start an argument whether it be on Twitter or on Quora or on Instagram or whatever. Um, you've seen instances of fans bullying people off of social media. It's it's numerous, and toxic fandom is that. It's the harassment, the bullying, the intimidation, the thinking that the property is yours to own. That's what toxic fandom is to me. Hmm. Now, I kind of want to go to Eli, actually, because
2: the reason that, that that we're having this conversation, I feel like, is because last on our last episode, Eli had such provocative statements over the intended or unintended effect um, of uh, releasing the Zack Snyder uh, Justice League cut, and... His response to, to, to the release and the reception and everything and kind of, you know, moving forward where we go from there, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, is what kind of had me like, you know what, let's make this an actual discussion. What about you, Eli? What do you see as the toxic fandom? What is it by definition to you?
3: Honestly, like toxic, toxic fandom is basically like just cyberbullying at to the point, not to the extreme, but sometimes to the extreme. It, it all, it varies on who it is, but it's cyberbullying, and, and as you said, while thinking that the property that movie directors, game developers uh, have is yours, when it's really not. And then you have, like, it's taken to the extreme with death threats and all that, and to the point where it can shape the movie industry, and so on and so forth.
2: Uh... Jose, your thoughts on it? Exactly, what is it to you?
1: I think toxic fandom is pretty simple. Toxic fandom is believing that all entertainment and media and everything else should represent only you and nobody else. That's, mm. that's it's that simple to yep. me. It's it's yeah. I am the center of all universe, all, all the universe when it comes to this fandom, when it comes to this media. That's that's toxic fandom to me. What about
2: you, AJ?
4: Yeah, so I'm gonna follow a pretty similar definition to Eli. It's when like there's just this group of extreme. Well, yeah, basically like extremists uh, with like such a like a, such an overzealous disposition towards like a particular media or you know uh, what's it uh, property, and they just kind of fight tooth and nail like it's uh, a real life movement or something like that, you know? Um, and granted, there are some things that, you know, I mean, there are things worth fighting for, but some of these things, are, they don't have the best intentions behind them. And it really, it makes you wonder, what, what how, how far should you actually be fighting? for something like this, as opposed to directing all of that energy towards something arguably more productive. And honestly, yeah, that's... Toxic fandom, to me at least, is just focusing all your energy in the wrong place. As well as just being completely, like, over the top. And just, this is not good. It's not good at all.
2: Interesting. I mean so so for me for me, Toxic Fandom is everything that you guys said, but the way that I see it is the especially now with the sophistication of social media and campaigning and stuff like that, it's the, the, the bandwagoning of um of of one idea or one thought or one opinion that makes it really easy for people to just dogpile on until it becomes too big for the fandom or the property itself or the holders of the property to actually react to it. Um, Cause sometimes I feel like, you know, someone might say a comment on social media and you have in the comment section, a million people like just like and agreeing and, you know, reinforcing the commentary and stuff like that. And maybe they don't even really feel like uh, they wholly agree to it, but just because it's so easy to hit, like it creates this huge monster and it's then becomes like too big to actually tackle an attack. So um now AJ, so for you, I, I it's interesting to me because I, I the I can't really necessarily pinpoint the first time that I experienced the toxic fandom. And I kind of wanted to throw it back to AJ because I'm wondering if you've ever experienced it or when's the first time that you noticed, you know, the like toxic fandom. Um and I'm just interested if like there's anything that resembled the toxic fandom base and, and you know retribution type of acts and stuff like that in the kaiju world. You know, especially because we got Godzilla and Kong that comes out this week, right?
4: Yeah yes. next we yeah, this upcoming
2: week. this week or next week. I don't remember now. I'm like in a in a haze right now. So. Yeah, at the time yeah, we're releasing this,
3: it
1: should be
2: it should be coming out in a few days. At the time okay. of our episode Perfect. release so, When's, when's And I want to pose this to, to everyone, you know, when's the first time that you guys kind of can remember experiencing?
4: So, well, to answer your question, the kaiju world, Uh, I haven't really seen it there, to be honest. Although I'm not saying like, you know, if there is something there and I don't know about it, that's totally possible. But me personally, I don't know. I haven't really seen that to be honest. Um, but the first time that I've actually, you know, I saw this and I was like, holy crap, what, what the hell are they doing uh, when it comes to toxic fandom was Last Jedi. And specifically what happened yeah. to Kelly Kelly Marie Tran. Yes. Yeah, yes. That, that was just like, are you serious? Like, is it really... Did you real that was like it was so unnecessary like she just completely vanished from social media and it's just like right yeah ugh, so horrible and it was I mean, so ridiculous was yeah that was, too
2: she, yeah she was getting threats she was getting like actual physical threats through social media and stuff like that it's like Wall said, said it's 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 you know i guess like the the most apparent form is in cyberbullying um that's yeah that that i would say that's that's one of the 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 most the biggest one so uh the you know jose <clears throat> uh
1: I will give a an example from from the generation of a j and Eli's fathers um it's also star wars, George Jar Jar Binks. I'm at best. When, when Jar Jar Binks was released in The Phantom Menace in 99, like they he received all the same treatment that Kelly Marie Tran received for his portrayal as Jar Jar Binks, who, okay, he's not anybody's favorite character, really. I mean, there actually is a few people that enjoy him. I didn't hate him. But to really go after the actor, I mean, we see this over and over again. You go after the people that simply fulfill the role or simply the actors or the actresses or the voice actors or whatever it may be, depending on what you're talking about. And that, to me, is one of the first examples that I can remember. I was about nineteen at the time, of just seriously toxic fandom—just mm. people like ang- people's anger and and just violent even tendencies and thoughts when it comes to just a character, which is absolutely ridiculous to me.
0: And and just to to jump on your point, it's it's interesting to note that the the actor Ahmad Best that you that portrayed Jar Jar Banks, he's been very open, especially lately, about. Struggles that he had because of that toxicity, you know, to the point where he actually contemplated suicide. You know, and and again, these are the the consequences for this toxic fandom that's out there. It's it's really really bad. Think about it. He was portraying. He's an actor, and he was portraying the character as told to him by the director. And, and right, that's right. very important to realize this because these actors, they don't kind of wing it on their own. They're directed. That's what a director does. Right, exactly. And the, inten- the consequences of that is that you do the role as intended and the ire is directed at you. Not the director, right? Right. You know, the director does get a little bit, but it's really, really fo- focused on the actor. So, um, w- the first time that I- I'm kind of the elder statement of of this group here, you know, um, I actually saw Star Wars in the movie theaters and stuff. That's one of my badges of honor, you know. Um, but <clears throat> he's talking about the ancient. You
2: know, yeah, actual yeah. Okay, okay, Star well, Wars okay. original trilogy without any of the
0: updated edits that we all have grown May up. May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven. <laughs> I was so. in the movie theater. I was almost negative. What were you? Were you like in old? your in your mid thirties at that time? Okay. Thank, thank, you, Wolfie. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, our parents were at that time. Like, yeah, news. exactly. You know. Um, yeah, Jose wasn't even a thought at that time yet. No, so <laughs> <laughs> no, but so 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 yeah. So
2: in the original, did you experience? Is that when you experienced? No, was there? No, no. Okay, okay. No.
0: Um, but it's going to be around the age that Jose experienced his first one because I'm going to go a little bit further into the future and and look at 1989, mm. and I'm talking about Michael Keaton and Batman. Oh yeah, and I think that's really that's yes. the first time that I really.
1: I kind of remember it, that,
0: it, and kind of it, it, it wasn't right. It wasn't, and, and so just I was to only give nine at the a, time, a but social yeah, media. it was a wasn't different time. It was a different, time. it was a different time, and think. and so just to kind of lay the groundwork on that, Batman hadn't been a property for a long time. You know, I mean, you you've had you've had it was kind of similar in the, in the sense of Star Wars when it came back thirty years after the original trilogy and stuff, okay. and and so people were. When when it was announced, people, especially a lot of Batman fans, were really, really stoked that we're getting a Batman movie finally. You know, I mean, I think the the other property that was at the time, you either had the either the the cartoons or you had to go back to the nineteen sixty six version of Adam West's Batman. Mm. Um but the announcement of Michael Keaton was a huge firestorm at the time. I mean, yeah. you know, the fan, there were articles written about it in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Um, fans were in an uproar because they, they were saying, How is really? Mr. Mom? How is uh-huh. Beetlejuice yeah. going to be Batman? You know, they, they literally thought that at first it was a joke. I mean he was generally and comedic. then when they realized this is that actually happened, happening right? there there was actually a an uh, a written petition because remember social media didn't didn't exist back then right but imagine how that could have played out now I I mean literally there is a, there is a possibility that we never get Michael Keaton as Batman I'm genuinely surprised cause... if if it happened now and i think um one of the things that you guys touched upon is is really the role of social media in this because before if you wanted to petition it was paper and pen and and like i said michael keen look how it turned out but imagine if it happened now they would have kicked him off the project brought brought in somebody else and you know That would have been it, and we never would have gotten the Michael Keaton Batman, which actually turned out to be not so. It turned out to be well. I mean, Uh, for for
2: for for the times, it ended up kind of being a little bit groundbreaking, you know, showing like such a dark, you know, take on a superhero when everything you've seen in media from like Superman, Wonder Woman, any anything that has to do with like comic book heroes is everything being like very, you know, hopeful and bright and like you know, I am a kid's. You know, a hero and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and you know, obviously through Tim Burton's mind and through the actual, you know, representation of Batman in the comics, you can't oh. really have that on screen and be true to character,
0: right? Even even so. with Tim Burton, there was a, there was um, some backlash of having him directed as well because Tim Burton yeah. hadn't been known for those type of movies right. at the time, right. so he was kind of an unknown quantity. You know, he had done some previous things, and again, lighthearted. And everybody thought that this was gonna be a joke. So, you know, it was it was one of those things where it's you know, people were literally calling for Michael Keaton to be taken off the project. So and Tim Burton to a certain extent. Do do you remember what the reaction to Jack Nicholson was? Was it it similar? was it was the same thing. Um it, again, it wasn't as bad as Michael Keaton, but you know, people were questioning, you know, his his involvement as the Joker, and I believe, if I remember correctly, some of the comments were made by Michael Keaton himself, and I think that kind of amplified the whole thing. Was that mm-hmm. uh, Jack Nicholson was going to play the Joker much like he played Beetlejuice? It was going to be over the top. It was going to be crazy, and people didn't like mm-hmm. that at the time. They really yeah. didn't. You know, they they were so they were afraid that the movie was going to be the next incarnation of the Adam West show where it was gonna be goofy, where it wasn't gonna be taken seriously, where it's gonna, it was gonna be this weird yeah. thing yeah. that they did not want at all. Little did what they know.
2: About, what what about Eli? I'm interested in your in, in you know, because you've only Eli, I mean I I guess AJ as well, but Eli much more specifically has grown up solely in the internet age. I mean, we had the internet
0: when Eli was born, right? Yeah, he we we go from the the youngest uh, for the oldest to the youngest. He was he was around the time where the internet was really, um, booming, booming at the time. I mean, it was it was still kind of new, but it was already out there. Yeah. yeah, it was already kind of like turning into
2: basically what it is today, which is right. essentially a utility. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. um, what you know, have you do you remember the first time that you that you experienced toxic fandom?
3: I don't exactly remember it, but I know what it was, basically. I, I know, generalized, it was the YouTuber fan base. Because on YouTube, a lot hmm. of YouTubers receive a lot of hate, um, generally, like, in comments and stuff.
2: You know what? You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and yep. then it's just, that's where, that's where I first experienced it. You have a lot of YouTuber apology videos, which is actually made fun of um to a point and i think i think that's where i i first experienced yeah ag- I,
2: I i do you know i have to kind of hop <laughs> on that real quick because that is also Sorry. and i didn't even think about this but you know youtube is one of those places youtube and twitch and streaming sites yeah these are some of the places that are that, that we kind of see the the hopefully unintended consequences the worst unintended consequences of um of this toxic fandom and you know the cyberbullying and stuff like that which is a lot of these people that start youtube channels and twitch channels to have you know kind of start like some sort of amateur streaming career that then get harped on by their own fans or people that are just kind of piling on yeah you see a lot of these people that that end up unfortunately hurting themselves to a point where they can't they you know they don't come back obviously you know they, you know to be straight up they take their lives and stuff like that because they can't deal with it you know um and that's one thing I'm, I'm this entire time i'm like thinking about like you know the toxic fan base from the perspective of huge media but youtube and twitch and streaming sites that's also huge media even if it's at the amateur level yes yeah. Yeah. That's, that's you know kind of an
1: important thing to, to note. the youtube comment section is pure haterade Absolutely pure hater I mean, yeah, you, you can think about like all kinds of examples, not just on YouTube, but like of people being bullied in this day and age. I mean, internet has a lot to do with it. You'd think of like totally off the top of my head example, but that kid who like cried about leaving Britney Spears alone. It's a weird video, sure, but like, what was all the necessity to kind of like go after that person for a, a, a simple video? And that's YouTube is is something that really, 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 really definitely, I think, contributes to it. Because like you all said as well, another point to make is that a lot of YouTube videos, uh, I mean, some people even create a YouTube career on the other side of the coin from what you were saying, Wolfie, I should say, is uh, they create a YouTube career simply to troll things, simply to hate on things. Right. So that's something else that definitely Mm -hmm. contributes to it.
2: So,
3: huh? Oh, Uh, well... I think, like, I, I I just thought of this off of the top of my head, but I think, like, one of the most perfect examples is when Jack Skeptikai, I don't, Jack Skeptikai, whatever, right? Skeptikai. Skeptikai, right? <laughs> his dad passed away, and his fans started making memes about it. It's, like, that's genuinely disgusting. It's horrible. Like, like, why the hell would you would you make fun of something like that? Because he's actually going through pain, and then you're just you're just uh, taunting him, basically. And like, you're not leaving a good. I guess. You're not really. You're not really helping with the situation that he's going through, right? Right.
2: No, you're hurting. You're you're making things yeah. worse. You're making it impossible for someone to grieve.
0: That's fuel you to know? the fire.
2: That's yeah. terrible. Yeah.
0: But I, I, I think that, again, you know, we, we go back to this whole thing about social media and comments and things of that nature. And and what social media does is it emboldens people to make these type of comments because really there's no consequences. before, there's no, Yeah, there's no retribution. Back, it, back in the days, at least in my time, and, uh, and I'm going to go, I'm going to sound like an old-timer here, but, you know, you exactly. I'm looking at, at Jose in our uh, video chat here. And you you made a comment, and if if somebody didn't like it, you're sleeping on the pavement. You know, you you're you're, you're knocked out. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> better square up. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, if, if you're gonna make those type of comments, you better have something to back that up.
1: Yeah, and, that's almost
0: and it, it's not great, but yeah. it's it's almost less toxic than hiding behind like some
1: well, anonymous wall, because at least it, you have to face the person that you're like denigrating you know what i mean right it's, but you violence know it isn't
0: great but still it it also it also leads into this other this other issue where it's like okay well maybe you don't voice it but that that toxicity is still there and we see that in politics and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna jump into this because i i don't want to get political yeah, on this point. fan cast but you know <laughs> um the, the whole thing is that you know there's a lot of deep-seated sentiment whether it's whether it's fandom or political and stuff like that and once you give a voice to that it's impossible to kind of tamp that down yeah you know uh, once you once you once you let the cat out of the bag that cat ain't going back you know
2: it's, it's yeah. interesting because my experience with like the the you know these kind of um, effects of the uh, toxicity um Obviously, I've, I've, I've experienced of or I've seen, there's plenty of examples out there, but the oldest example that I could think of happened kind of after my time, right? Because I saw, I got into anime and uh, Evangelion um, after it aired, but upon research, right? Like I fell in love with Evangelion. I saw every single episode. I fell in love with everything about it. Um, including the, uh, psychological, you know, twists at the end and, and the impact that, that it had on me, uh, growing up. And then as I research more about the anime to try to understand it, I find out that this, this anime experienced toxicity in both forms in it, from, from both sides, rather when the anime was airing. Okay. The anime was just not doing well enough that the studio basically cut funding and they didn't have enough money to necessarily finish the anime so Hidekiano decided to continue to and in order to finish the anime he would just you know do whatever he can find ways to kind of cut corners extend scenes you know to make them a little bit longer and then that ended up kind of translating to him representing some of the depression that he was going through into the actual anime itself um, because of the success of Evangelion Real Time, which ended in, which, which has us, which gave us rather a show that started off as a kaiju mecha, you know, anime that's typical with great animation, awesome action scenes. And then halfway through, it turns into a, a, a dialogue and conversation about like depression and self-awareness and identity and stuff like that, um, all because of what he was dealing with real time. And then, because of the way that it ended, the fan base then started hating Anno because they didn't end it the way that he wanted. And they would they they, they would graffiti and bomb and egg the uh, studio, um, Gainax Studio, where 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 it was uh where it was all done. They sent them like hate mail and death threats through through mail and stuff like that, just because of the way that he ended the show and ended up causing Hedekiano to like redo the endings in a way that might appease the fans a little bit better. And even that ending people hated as well, you know, which is why they're kind of doing the Evangelion rebuilds now as well. So it's, it's, it's interesting because we have like the same thing that happened with Zack Snyder, where you have um, the reason that we got Josh Whedon in the first place is because there were so many of the fans that hated the Zack Snyder vision and everything so to speak when he was filming and all that stuff and then now that same fan base is what brought back Snyder and we're dealing with it right now. So, I kind of want to pivot a little bit. I have like a, I had a bunch of other questions and thoughts that I wanted to ask the group, but I do I there's one question that I want to ask and I don't want to spend too much time, but I just a real quick question. Can you guys think of any time that you guys or us we as people may have inadvertently contributed to the toxic fan base? Well,
4: I'm going to be honest. Technically, there is a time. Okay. And that was when, again, it's fair because we all hated this movie, but in a sense, we basically asked for it nonetheless in the same way that people asked for the Snyder cut. Oh, man. Our hate of Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> there and how we wanted to strike that from the canon,
0: and oh, basically God. redo the sequels. We are we are kind of guilty on on that aspect as well. We are, aren't, aren't we? we? Yeah, we are. So. Daisy really is another one that removed
2: herself for, from social media because of did she? You know, the family. Yes, yeah. Did Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. Know that. I didn't realize yeah, that. She removed know. herself because people hate she hates she's hated and the thing is that she's still dealing with it because you can't get away from the memes, but she hates the fact that there is all these memes about how terrible she was.
1: Isn't it isn't it re- remarkably interesting and you know, we're I don't want to get too deep into this because we're going to get super political if we do. But isn't it interesting that all of these examples of toxic culture are directed at women, minorities? Where like, where's where's the where was the toxicity for George Lucas for creating Jar Jar Binks? Why didn't? Why didn't he? Well, he there, get was. Any hate there for, was. There was. To be yeah. Yeah. But to be fair. When when so, we, when Jar Jar came out, they, there was a lot of hate for Lucas as well. To the level of Ahmed best, though, I think that that well, was, that was a whole other level of of
0: vitriol directed specifically. That's true. I will I will say this though. You know, his prequel trilogy was not well received at all, and a lot of people no. did not want to see George Lucas comes back come back. And and to be fair. I, and I'm not going to speak to his mind personally, but that may have been, you know, part of the reason why he sold his property to Disney because, he, you know, he's like, I, yeah. I have a specific vision. I put it out there and I'm getting crap for it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You know, maybe well, it's time for me to cash out and say, here, somebody else take it. You know, so- I'll put my <laughs> feedback, feed, feedback into it, but, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore.
2: Interesting enough, though. See, this didn't start for George
0: Lucas with the prequels. This started with his original trilogy, okay? Right, especially Return of the Jedi, because Return of the Jedi, um, a lot of people love the film now, but you know it was treated as as kind of like a cash cow, you know, yeah. especially with the Ewoks and stuff like that. He got Stars, yeah. The well, you know what the the accusation was that he did Return of the Jedi specifically for merchandising purposes. You know, he wanted to be able to sell toys. He wanted to be able to sell Ewok plushies. He wanted to do all of that stuff. Right. So, right. you know, um, you're right. This began then, but then it got even worse with the prequel trilogy. Right. And especially when he started changing a lot of the scenes from the original trilogy as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, but at the end of the day, like this is this leads into the next topic that I want to actually talk about, which is who owns the creative IP? You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, George Lucas, his his whole argument was that, like, you know, he is the creator of Star Wars. He puts it out there and it's either going to be well-received or not well-received. Yeah. But his biggest issue was directly with the fan base, even with the original trilogy, where he's like, he doesn't want to be beholden to anyone telling him what to do about his creation.
0: Yeah, they literally call him
2: the creator. You know. You know. So 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 when it gets to a uh, uh, a a property like Star Wars that has such a huge fan base, you know, at what point, if it ever does, at what point does it actually becomes the general public's IP, and or or does it forever stay with the creator? And that being said, does it stay with the creator and the studio, or is it solely the creators? Because there's a big issue with Disney as well, where like they're buying up all these IPs, but then they want to dictate what's from a creative standpoint, what's best for their pockets, and I think that's what we saw in the uh, Rise of Skywalker as well.
0: I think I think a really good, um, a good example of that maybe not be may not be Disney, but really Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers has been infamous in the studio Mm, interference of of, of, you know the dc DC movies you know Uh, i mean perfect (laughs) examples besides the the Zack snyder justice league you look at suicide squad suicide squad was was a movie that became a, a literal frankenstein because david Ayers had a specific vision and it's interesting because the movie was changed not because of what they saw it was because of the the great um response that fans had to the trailer and wb in their infinite wisdom said you know what let's let the trailer company cut the film and and well Jeez. we saw how great that was you know so I think WB is WB. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, realize that
2: that's what happened.
0: Yeah, uh, the trailer was done by this company called Trailer Park.
2: <laughs> right, right. I remember. Right. I know.
0: I know. I know. Right and now. Yeah. they actually did ask that the, that company. You did such a great job with the trailer. Can you take a look at this movie and cut it up? And that's why it, it's such a Frankenstein when you watch it because oh it, it starts here, but then you know, and such you have that really great. Introduction, but then after that, it becomes this mishmash of just things being thrown together and cut and edited in really weird ways. Yeah, it still happens in in Disney
1: properties, though. No, no, a no, pretty doubt. significant amount. But there's a divide right. there. Think about it. If you think about it this way, because with with the MCU, I feel like the the amount of success that they've achieved, Kevin Feige has a little bit of a of a open book to do a little bit more of what he wants to do and to. He's to allow it. his directors to do what he wants to do. But remember, your, uh, your, your Rogue Ones and your Solos, where Phil, uh, Christopher Miller and Phil Lord got completely kicked off the project because Disney was not really liking what they were doing, which is odd because, what is it, the, the following year they released Into the Spider-Verse, which was universally loved by everyone. So it's, it kind of makes me sad that we didn't get to see what they were going to do with Solo. Well, I mean, the, I know that some of us enjoyed that movie. I wasn't a huge fan of it. But, right, like, yeah, yeah, that there's that divide there between how different aspects of Disney handle their response to sort of a toxic fandom. Because all of that really deals with making money. And making money, in a way, is always going to be a response to toxic fandom. Because, well, of, I mean, you know, it just... Disney you know, also...
0: In, in the MCU, they've done that as well because just look at the Ant Man franchise. Right. You know, that, that I forgot the, the original director. Um, um,
3: Edgar
0: I can't Wright. Remember.
1: Edgar Wright, isn't it? Yes. Edgar Wright? Um, he's he's had, he had a vision.
0: Yeah. He, he, no, well, I, I think it's still Peyton Reed that's doing the third one. Um,
1: Wait, no, no, no. It was Peyton Reed on the first one, actually, I think.
0: And the second one. Was it no? He. Yeah.
1: he oh, I don't remember. I I don't remember the name. Peyton of that. Reed
0: did both both films, and I believe okay. he's slated to do the third one as well. I remember I Edgar Wright. On Google I remember something about verify, Edgar Wright but,
1: returning. But go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll look that up while you while you try to figure out or we, yes, while you make you your know, point. I should say. Yeah.
0: But but I, like I said, and I'm I'm going to throw this to the kids afterwards. But like I said, you know the MCU does have examples of that as well. You know there there are directors that come on. And, you know, they pitch their vision to to Kevin Feige and they start working on it. And then somewhere, you know, along the lines, it doesn't kind of mesh with the, the MCU um, format. And they're let go. So, you know, it happens a lot in the Star Wars, but it does happen in the MCU as well. Um, boys, what do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I'm
4: actually kind of surprised because Marvel seems, it's like you said, Marvel has a really good track record. Uh, and I didn't even think of it when you brought up Solo. I, I completely forgot about that. Um, as yep. far as, like, Toxic Fandom goes, though, uh,
0: I don't... There wasn't really any hand in, like... The, was... No, 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 no. But we're, we're just talking about studio interference at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Because the conversation is still like who owns the property? Yeah, yeah. because I feel like the fans at some like in in some ways, big huge fan bases feel like they own it. Like hey, like you need to just like Jose said before, you need to do what I say because this is what I like. This is where I think that collectively, that's basically what they're saying. This is what I think that the uh, that that this film or this story or this character should go. So, yeah,
4: um, I. Personally, think it should always stay in the hands of the creators because, I mean, yes, the, there are certain things fans would like to see, and that be and some of them. Hey, it's actually pretty cool what they want to see, but when it comes to, and it comes to like a, a something I mentioned in our last podcast. So, Creators are the ones who bring these visions to life and bring us the things that, you know, we end up loving. It, it, it becomes, in a, in a way, de-incentivizing for them to... If, ha- if fans have, like, such a stronghold over what they're allowed to create and what they're not allowed to create, it's, it's going to stifle creativity overall, like... It's just going to be a detriment to the to the whole movie industry. Hey, you could even say TV show industry, too. Um, Like, no one's going to want to make anything anymore because there's going to be this constant fear of, oh, will will they like it? Or oh, am I going to put something out only for it to be retracted and basically stricken from canon or whatever? Like, there's going to be that constant fear and no one's going to want to make anything anymore. And that's... That's honestly tragic, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, I I would say to to I'll keep it short, but I think that it it belongs in the hands of the creator, unless you get a situation where the creator sells the property and then it becomes the studio's property. As much as I'm not a huge fan of necessarily the studio model of creating these things, I mean, if the if George Lucas sells Star Wars, George Lucas ain't in charge of Star Wars anymore. It's that simple. Unless you know. Uh, Disney wants to bring him on to consult which in fact it seems like they've done with a lot of things recently so it stays a little bit a property of his um, but yeah it shouldn't belong to the fans if if the fans want their stories to turn out the way that they want write fan fiction just write fan fiction and, and stop bothering the creators of these properties that you love and then when they make one small decision that you disagree with all of a sudden the entire thing gets tanked that's, that's completely silly How many times have we had like small issues with a movie that, you know, doesn't ruin the experience for any of us, whereas some people might just go nuclear on those moments?
2: So, so the, 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 you know, there is, there is obviously there's always two sides to the same coin, right? Um, Has toxicity ever benefited us as as consumers? I mean, again, we got, you know, we did get uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And we got, we got justice for Ray Fisher very specifically, who was pretty much shafted by Joss Whedon um, and Warner Brothers, essentially. I mean, is there any benefit to this kind of, uh, I guess you can call it pseudo grassroots kind of movement towards that? And, you know, I, I see Jose's handle, but I do want to send this to Eli first um to you and your in your in your mind has this ever benefited in any way whatsoever
3: no I mean yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is a difficult question yeah. it's a difficult question
2: right because yes we wanted I wanted the Zack Snyder cut you know what I mean yeah. but the way that we got it do the ends justify the means what about Sonic I think
3: Sonic yeah. Sonic
2: I that's say another
3: that. one so I
1: think Sonic is a good example of a of a pretty good way of using your fan power because yes. it was it was more making fun of the CGI character. They didn't start attacking the the production company. They didn't start attacking the company that created the special effects. They were just like, hey, we don't like the design. And then immediately, in, a, in what I think is a healthy dialogue because the character design is is essential to Sonic the Hedgehog, the company changed it. And everybody was very, very happy with the result and with the movie in the end. So, like, sometimes small examples like that I think can be slightly beneficial because I think we all agree that Sonic originally looked horrific. So, yeah. yeah, it could be beneficial to a certain extent. I think in general, though, when you give that much power to any kind of mob, it's not a benefit to any kind of, like, sort of one 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 note mob that has one thing in mind or one issue about something that they think destroys the entire yeah. project I- I or totally whatever I totally agree with
3: that. I totally agree with that. I think that the results of of um, of that is is good, but I think I think that it really it doesn't help with the whole problem of fans trying to push for something in in a way because you know it's it's the same thing as I said before um last last podcast right with the Snyder cut. By doing something like that, you're pushing for a good result, but at at the same time, you're pushing for more for more interference from fans. So I think Eli, huh? I have
2: a question for you. Yeah. Did you would you have been okay had Sonic not been changed? Do you think do you think that would you have been okay with like the the film still had uh Sonic's um CGI image not been uh, altered? <sighs>
3: See, here's the thing. Honest opinion here. Yeah, honest honest opinion. opinion. I think that I would be not okay with that. because Really? Yeah, because honestly, it looked crappy. It looked really crappy. I'm I'm actually
0: showing him the picture now, just
2: so that it refreshes I understand that, but but does the film on its own not stand on its merits? If everything else was as good as the film was, because to me, Sonic was portrayed greatly by You know, the acting, everything. Jim Carrey was amazing. The special effects were awesome, you know, with the exception, obviously, of the original design, which I personally didn't have too much of an issue with. I mean, yes, it wasn't, you know, video game accurate, (laughs) but I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Um, Because if what you're saying is true, then I feel like there really is no way to solve the toxic fandom if you would still not watch it, right?
3: Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that, and, I mean.
2: Would you have at least given it
0: a chance?
3: No, no, no. no. Wait, you, that was, I you think you that's more wa- fair, though. Hold on,
0: you wouldn't have watched the movie if no, Sonic looked no, like no. this?
3: I totally would have watched the movie, but, I mean, I, I just can't, I, I, I can't with that because it looks so oh, it's, looks so bad but
0: i think i think once you watch it oh, you'll get that initial reaction and then after that it kind of washes away wouldn't you wouldn't hey, you t- i think that's okay though it washes though.
3: away but it, it just leaves i mean I especially since sonic is technically for kids in a way because a lot of kids like. No. Okay, no, okay, okay. no Sonic no, 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 is what? for our it's, generation. Okay, no, you did up, no, no, no. up on Sonic. I grew up on Sonic. Sonic is my favorite. Okay, hold, on I, was
2: hold in, on. I was in Team Sonic when it came to Mario versus yeah, Sonic.
3: But, no, no. no. What, what I'm saying is, like, a lot of kids are going to see this movie. So don't you think that they would, like, be horrified by something like this? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, it, it sounds like you were horrified. Yes, <laughs> it I am. sounds what like was, you had nightmares. Looked, uh,
3: disgusting. <laughs> but.
2: Oh, man. That's, Sonic, that's,
1: that sounds kind of toxic. The, the first Sonic looked like he was going to eat small children to power his, like, running ability. Oh, my he God. weird. Hold on. I need <laughs> to the Here's the thing. Here's I the need thing. to remind myself.
0: Well, while you do that. So it's look, it's look, at the, that look at the video chat. Look at the video chat. It's you know,
2: not that bad. He, well, here's he looks thing. like he's going to eat little children. What look, in the world? Look
1: at his teeth, That man. is kind of scary. You don't see his teeth. Yeah, is. the teeth. The teeth are Especially horrible. the teeth. The teeth is bad. You know, you know yeah. what what I don't have why I didn't have an issue necessarily oh, with this though because this was more an idea of if you didn't want to see Sonic looking like that, you the these fans were more likely to vote with their wallets. Yeah, there was a, there was a social media backlash, sure. But again, I think it was still something that was a little more like, "Hey, we don't like the look of the character and we probably won't watch this movie," not like "You're canceled, you should die. Let's kill Sonic the Hedgehog. Jim Carrey should go to hell." For this movie coming out with Sonic looking that way, you know what I mean. Walter, so Walter shoving Sonic's face yeah. in my face. <laughs> I mean, am <laughs> okay with that Sonic. I'm like totally a, okay with Sonic. He looks like a mole rat. He doesn't look like Sonic the Hedgehog. And with Sonic the Hedgehog's look, it's so iconic. If you make it look that different, I, yeah, I it's know, pretty bad. I but I mean, that, that's it's not about like whether we like it or not, right? It's about whether or not this is something that is a good thing in terms of fandoms. And I think it's not. And, so I think it's a better example among other among the examples of
2: how fandoms deal with you know one thing that i will say is that i think that the way the sonic uh, backlash happened oh god all right all right i get your point i get your point walt jesus christ for those guys just listening walt is literally just shoving he zoomed in on sonic's you know human like teeth which is very weird <laughs> you know? it's yeah, uncomfortable and he's just shoving it in my face it's like the uncanny valley um, I understand that. I, I get it, and I understand. You know, the thing is that for me, like, I I will take things with, um, you know, I'll, I'll take some of the bad with the good if the good outweighs it. But I don't know if it's gonna outweigh it until I watch it. You know, that it's the it's the to me that's how I look at it as, as as a dinner as, as a dish at a restaurant. You know, the if meat. I get a dish with with three or four items on it, you know, I might love the steak and the sauce and you know some of the veggies, but I might hate the salad. Doesn't mean that the play was bad. Yeah, but okay, if the trailer, if the trailer a for that enough.
0: dish had teeth, you would probably not want it. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this: <laughs> um, I I I know that the the film turned out great. You know, I think we can all agree that's one of the best video game adaptations to date, right? Video game, vid, yeah, video game by, by, by metrics. We're getting a sequel too, right. right? Video game movies have had a bad rap over the years, but let me True. ask you this: Um. It, it's it's more of a point and you know what it's unfortunate because we really didn't see a lot of that iteration with Sonic you know mm-hmm. that that first one that that came out but mm-hmm. would you have found him if he's so out there like that would you have found him kind of distracting to the point that it kind of takes you out of the film I mean that I think that that could be the issue with regarding to this is like you know you look at sonic and it's kind of the same thing with the whole um josh sweden and superman and mustache gate you know and things of that nature and and, you know cgi that looks really really bad in a film sometimes those things can take you out of the film no matter how good the storyline is you look at something that looks so bad on the screen that it's like i can't take it seriously i mean but maybe that's one of you know a, a feature of this Sonic thing, but see, the thing is that to me, it, it, we'll never know truly because right. the,
2: the the thing is that it's you only distracting. We only got if, the one trailer, right? I think, or right, did we even get a trailer. trailer? Yeah, we got a trailer. We, that's how everyone found out about it. Okay, the the thing is, that's how we got the teeth. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is that we'll never know. First of all, but second of all, it's not. You got to remember that it's not just a story. It's also the performance by the voice actors, right? Because if the voice actor, you know, does does due diligence, then over time you get used to things, you know what I mean? Like when you, like, it's like sticker shock, right? Like you mm-hmm. see it, the first time you see it, you're like just in shock, but then the more you see that, the more comfortable you are with the price of something, you know? And that's kind of the same thing that you have here. The more that you see Sonic on screen, if it's going to be a two hour film, the first time that you see it might shock you. And then, as the film goes on, if the performance is good and the story is captivating, you'll put the distractions to the wayside. It's the distraction in the Snyder Cut in the in the in in Justice League, (laughs) in Justice League, with with the, the mustache gate and everything. It's there because the rest of the film did not stand on its own.
0: It was also really bad CGI, and it's it was it's
2: terrible CGI. It's it's there's, amazing there's, there's films that, that have YouTubers have really bad CGI too, though that are good. I can't think of right now, but yeah. there are films that have really bad CGI that are still really good.
0: But it's amazing that YouTubers can create a better version of Superman than the actual, um, yeah. the actual Justice, studio <laughs> did. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna throw it to Jose real quick, and then I got one more point that I have for the crew. Um, actually, no, go
1: ahead. My, somebody made my point already, uh, after, after I raised my hand, so you can
2: continue on to the next one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, all right. So then, so then finally the, the, the last thing that I kind of want to bring up is, you know, is there, what's the future of the current toxic fan base meta, right? Like meta being like, what's actually going on right now? What's popular right now, right now, what's popular is to like jump on a hashtag, uh, train and then um essentially threaten to boycott you know a property unless they make unless they make the changes that the majority of the fans at least that are being voiced on uh the internet and social media um as long as their man demands are, are are met they won't boycott the film and stuff like that um what what's the future of this and does it get better or does it get worse and and i want to kind of throw in that as well do do the studios that hold these ips these properties or the the, the companies or that that produce these um the 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 products that we consume do they have a responsibility to address and try to solve the toxic toxicity that we're seeing in the fan base and its repercussions like, does YouTube have a responsibility to try to figure out what to do about um, the comment section and the hate that the hate that they see? Does Does Disney have a responsibility to to defend Kelly Tran? Right, you know. So, um, and I want to throw this to AJ. Um, what it, What do you feel like? What's the future of, of of this whole phenomenon that's going on? Does it get better? Does it get worse?
4: Honestly, I really do think they should be somewhat... They should hold these people somewhat accountable. Like, you honestly can't... Like, if, if you... Choosing to ignore this kind of stuff just... It reflects really badly, in my opinion, on the, I guess, media provider. Would that be the right word? Uh, so, you know, like... They, they gotta come up with at least some kind of system, like, okay, you get three strikes depending on what you say. If it's, like, really, really vitriolic, no, you, you don't even really get a chance. You're, you're just being an a-hole. Uh, excuse my French. So, you're you're gone. Um, Like, the, there really shouldn't be any place for that. If you want to agree disrespectfully, by all means, but to make it personal and just honestly, try to drag someone down and into the mud like that. That that shouldn't be acceptable. Honestly, it really shouldn't. I think it's absolutely on studios to do
1: something about this kind of toxicity. I think it's also, it also, in many cases, it should be a slight responsibility of the rest of the cast. And I know that that's a slightly controversial statement, but the thing that kind of gives me that thought and that idea is that I remember very recently when there was a big backlash against Chris Pratt, of all people, basically for just being a conservative, which is no good reason for a backlash to, to begin with, right? But immediately, like every cast member of the Marvel movies, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And, and, and Chris Evans and everybody else came to his defense, Nobody did that for Kelly Marie Tran. Nobody did that for Ahmed Best. Nobody did that for Daisy Ridley. Nobody spoke up for them uh, at, in any capacity, whether it's the studios or their co-stars. And I think it's definitely more on the studio to, to basically make a statement. Like, look, we, like, we support our actress. Even if it's something that seems fairly superficial, you have to show a sign of support. Because you're an employer. If you're an employer, you have to support your employees as well. Like I think that that's just a general good piece of etiquette when you're working with someone when you're working when someone's working for you. But yeah, you have to protect your employees in these instances. I mean, who would want to work for your company ever again if you just allow them to be harassed by these fandoms? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kelly Marie Tran will probably never do Star Wars again. Daisy Ridley will probably never do Star Wars again. I mean, appearances maybe. But like the toxicity is just so I mean, when when you have to quit social media to get away from it. That is a scary, scary thought. And so again, the studios need to do more to speak out against those fandoms and let them know like, hey, that's not okay. You know, we're making these movies for everybody. And we're, and these are, these are people who are just helping us to fulfill this vision and and finish this movie, create this movie. You know, if you want to, if you want to put it on anybody, put it on us. And I don't think that's ever going to (laughs) happen. I'm not holding my breath, but there, there needs to be a greater emphasis on doing something about these toxic fandoms, and I don't know either if, if a solution is to ignore them when, when they want something, because again, I think that there's a, a slightly positive aspect to a certain extent when, you're, when fans make certain suggestions. Like I said, I thought Sonic the Hedgehog was a fairly benign example that wasn't a, that much of a big deal. But then again, like like everyone has said here, like we all know to the reason we're having this conversation, you have stuff like the Snyderverse where the fandom was incredibly toxic. You have the 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 new restore the air cut that's coming up now that will probably be incredibly toxic as well. We're getting the restore the Snyder first Snyderverse hashtags. Who knows where that's gonna go? And I, I just see a lot of negativity coming out of these situations that I think, yeah, definitely these studios have to address it for sure. Something has to be done. What about you, Eli?
3: Um, so I think that the toxicity, well, it's, it's always going to be there. And I think that, honestly, there is a way, but it all depends on what you're directing at. Because if you're directing at a movie as a whole, I don't <laughs> think that – sorry, um, I don't think that's, that's ever – that toxicity is ever going to just disappear. But when it's directed at a specific actor or director – I think it's I think it's 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 good to sort of protect them from that sort of toxicity because um perfect example what's his name? Uh Jar Jar Binks actor actor. Uh, I'm I'm my best. Th- yeah. yeah. He was going through some tough stuff. Like he, he he even contemplated suicide. And I think that it was it would be better if you could sorta of I guess
0: he suffered silently.
3: Yeah.
2: That's
0: that's silently. the interesting thing, too.
2: I mean, it was also during a time when uh, social media was still like a very new thing, you know, mm-hmm. so there wasn't really like there wasn't really a, 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 a way like nowadays people have at least some sort of format to um, address it from a press standpoint. Just because they 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 know other people that have gone through this stuff, but at my best didn't really have like any idea of how to deal with the toxicity, hmm. right? Um, I, I do want to ask you, Eli. Do you have any idea, or how would you solve it? if you had all the powers in the world? Okay, bar none. Okay, you're you're an eternal, or you're you're the Watcher. I don't know. Like, if you had all the powers at your disposal, how would you solve the 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 issue of the toxic fandom
3: well see here's here's the thing i don't think that there is any way even if you did have all the power even, in the world because really yeah because interesting you there's no way for you can for you to silence someone without honestly taking away their rights you can you, yes they're <sighs> abusing their rights but you're oh, taking it away from them and i don't think that's not fair it doesn't matter mm. who it's not fair either way So silencing someone, well,
1: yeah. Uh, I think that situations like death threats need to be handled by authorities. I think that that's something that, I I think that that, that's something that needs to be handled immediately. And I'd like, if if you're online anonymously threatening to kill people, I don't care if you're trolling. There's something wrong with you. And even if you don't get arrested, maybe the cops should come and pay you a visit I mean, I'm not saying again, like like Eli said, it's it's skirting a thin line between taking away people's rights, but death threats are not okay. And somebody yeah, needs to address it. Some authority needs to address those kinds of situations.
3: I think that honestly like for something like that there should be a way to like block that sort of thing because I know on stuff like Twitch and YouTube yeah. if you if you have They have like the whole community guidelines where if you put a comment that's abusive to somebody, you can just ban them. And I think that while that's that's easier to do on YouTube and Twitch, I don't I think that's not necessarily easy to do on social media. You can't. I mean, like not even
4: that you could just Okay, I got banned on this account. I have one of like a thousand accounts I can use. Yeah, like yeah. that that's there's, not I mean, really solving the problem.
2: <laughs> there's there is another issue too, that like the damage is already done, right? I send you hateful mail, you block me, but you already read it. You already got influenced by right. what I said. That doesn't necessarily solve it, right? So I mean I would say I would say that I mean this is why I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Social <laughs> media allows us to kind of connect with you guys out in the world. But if it was up to me, I You know, I mean, I would, I basically, I don't want a comment section on anything, you know, let people put out their stuff into the world and then leave the comment section alone. Keep your opinions to yourself. You know, if you want to send me an opinion, you can email me the opinion. You can, you know, maybe have some sort of communication. But the biggest issue that I have is when people put the opinion out there just so that they see everyone out there in the world look at their opinion. That's what's called a troll. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing this just for everyone's views. Um, you know, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe maybe Walt has an idea of what to do as the elder statesman, as someone that has had to, you know, censor things uh, in the upbringing upbringing of his his children and protect his family and stuff. Do you
0: have any idea of how you would solve it? I, I, quite honestly, I really, really don't because you know. Oh my God! <laughs> but, well, no, here's hope. the thing: I you kind of you kind of touched upon something that I was I was going to mention, um, and I think we've seen that happen also, where you know people jump on certain posts and and they troll people, and and you end up having to block the entire post of comments, you know, and the thing about social media is, and a thing that should be great about social media is that this is a way to interact with some of your favorite celebrities right that's that's kind of the allure where you know before you didn't have that level of interaction with people right it it was just you know if you saw him if you saw a person you know at at a restaurant you know you may approach them and say hey i love your work social media kind of opened that up a little bit to to everybody in terms of now you know I'm following Chris Evans he said something I want to I want to say something in response to that and you know a, a lot of it is you know I, I want to say a lot of it can be positive where you know I don't want this conversation to to think that Everything that that gets posted is negative because that's not true. There's there's a lot of positivity in those comments as well, it, but it's just those select few people that kind of t- you know you spoil the the all the the apples in the apple cart, so to speak. Right? Yeah. Um, the thing that I find interesting, and and you know, there's a, there's another side to this because, and, and I'm gonna say that I. Before I jump into that, but I do think that, you know, these companies, the production companies, the media companies, they do bear some sort of responsibility. You know, you you have to protect your actors, your directors, and things of that nature. But at the same time, you got to toe the fine line. Um, And just going back to the whole Rick and Morty, Szechuan Packet incident, this is where I think it was done in the wrong way. Because you had those people and and they were running to McDonald's for these packets. Why, I have really no idea, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? And instead of, you know, these companies like Adult Swim and, and McDonald's, you know, stating that this is wrong actions to take, they were actually apologizing. You know, you had McDonald's employees that were being berated by these people that, you know, oh, well, why don't you have it? I deserve to have it. You know, it's my right. I'm not leaving the restaurant until I get one. People getting physically assaulted. And the, the, the response by McDonald's was like, we understand how passionate your fans are. We apologize that we didn't have enough. That's not the, the, the thing to take. You have to go out and say, you know what, this is the wrong thing to do. And, and too many times these, these companies, instead of trying to anger the, the fan base, they, they kind of apologize. Um, but I, I have to look at it the, on the other side because, you know, this, this, whole, this whole topic of conversation in terms of, you know, shutting off comments and not allowing people to speak their minds, you know, breeds to this whole new thing that's been, you know, making the airwaves right now of cancel culture. Cancel culture is now the opposite of t- toxic fandom, where, um, you know, you have actors that portray a certain political or religious belief, or you know, they have they make controversial comments, and you know, the companies they go out and and they decry this as they should, you know, and if the the thing continues they get rid of people and and I I think I'm talking about specifically Gina Carano. Um Gina Carano made some very very upsetting statements to some people, you know, and and she continued to do it after she was told by Disney you got to kind of cut it out. It's 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 one of these things where it's like, you know, Disney said, "We have to protect our properties. We cannot continue to have you making these controversial statements and then you know you had the backlash against Disney because they did that what I find interesting is that the people who are the ones that are ripping Disney for cancel culture with Gina Carano um, where were you when Colin Kaepernick was making his statement about um, racial injustice because in one sense you're saying Gina Carano has the right to say what she believes in politically and otherwise, and she's an entertainer, but yet Colin Kaepernick, who I might add is a person of color and an athlete, does not have that right. Where do you draw the line on those two things?
2: Yeah, it's a very hypocritical kind of world that we're living in when it comes to this vitriolic, fan base, reactionary um, kind of, you know, situation that we have um i know know jose wanted to make a point um yeah go on
1: so the gina carano situation is a really odd one um because i certainly enjoyed her character um and yeah to a certain extent if you're an individual why shouldn't you be allowed to express your views right uh at the same time you know you could say like oh you could you could this this is a sort of a double edged statement, uh, sort of a statement, I should say, because you know, if I were constantly tweeting and comparing my plight with my employer or my plight in general, um, while being employed by such a large public company, and I compared my plight to that of like I don't know, like like people being persecuted by the Nazis, I think that my company would have a problem with that. And I think that the distinction that people have where freedom of speech applies to everything is ridiculous and it's stupid um because again these are the same people who want to cancel certain people for their views they these people have no idea what the first amendment is they don't know exactly what it entails they don't understand that it's always been the case that in america if a company doesn't like a statement that an employee makes you could tell them you know f off unless i mean there's certain protections against that of course but you know a company can make these choices as well I think the other somewhat interesting thing to me that I that I kind of have to bring up, it, it piggybacks on what Walt was saying about the Szechuan sauce from the Rick and Morty situation with McDonald's, because the other side of the coin that I want to venture very quickly, and it brings up uh, a, a property that uh, Wolfie and I really, really love. But if you think about what people have said about for example, the Rick and Morty fandom, it's actually generally accepted to be one of the most toxic fandoms like on the planet. And it's a wonderful agree. show. It's a great yep. show. It's a funny show. The creator, Dan Harmon, supposedly really had none of these intentions in mind, but it's kind of one of the alt-right's favorite cartoons. And the other example I have to bring up is that one of the alt-right's favorite anime is Attack on Titan. Okay, And that's, to me, an example of what I said way back at the beginning of the podcast of where people sort of appropriate things and say that that's only supposed to represent them. Because the controversy surrounding Attack on Titan is that it's, you know, I don't want to get too far into it or, or get, again, too political or too deep with this. But it's, it's, it's a thought that the author is anti-Semitic. Okay, If you don't go deep enough into the story, you might believe that. And I think that's also a part of this thing, too, because there's a lot of fandom where, we talked about this a little bit earlier, too, where they don't give the property a chance. And I think we talked about this when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog. So it's kind of an opposite side of this example. But they don't give it a chance. They don't read it. They don't, they don't consume it. And they just assign something to it. Now, again... It's partially about people assigning their own values to this thing. So it's really odd to me um, as a phenomenon that something that I read and, and watch and interpret so differently gets appropriated at something that says like, hey, this is a white supremacist anime. And all the people in this anime are white supremacists when, again, if you read it a little bit deeper or I guess if that's not your mindset, which it's not mine, obviously, you, you look at it very differently in comparison. So I think that that's another yeah, aspect I mean, of this.
2: You know, I think that that's like one of the one of the conversations also to be had of how like a, like an idea can be interpreted to interpreted by two different parties, equally so for them, but equally against their opposition. If that makes sense, um, it's very very interesting that that's the case. Eli has a point also. I well, Eli, why don't you why don't you butt in real quick, and then I want to throw it to Walt as well.
3: Yeah, I I just I just wanted to go back on something that Walt said. With the with the comments thing, shutting down the comments, mm-hmm. that's not gonna work,
0: because right. Well, you could still post something afterwards, right? No,
3: it's not even just that, because if you're, you know, you know how, generally, when somebody's going through something, people can comment nice things. If you have people emailing them bad things, nobody's gonna know. There's gonna be a lack of awareness about that, so there's not gonna be any any like, I know what you're going through emails going going through
0: and and the thing about it is that again i I have to say this the majority of those posts would be positive it's just those few that you know like like everybody here has said those trolls that they purposely put these comments in there to kind of you know, put flames to the fire and see the response that they want. It, it, you know, and, and there are times, you know, I, I watch CNN and, you know, with the right-wing uh, commentators, you know, there are times that they literally don't even believe the comments that they're saying, but they're looking to get a rise and, and a reaction from people, and that's why they do it. Um, so, Eli, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it kind of robs people of, their ability to connect with their, their celebrities, you know, that they love and give positivity, you know, and blocking those comments, like you said, kind of robs that of people. Um, this, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: No, 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 go on. Finish your point. Okay.
0: I, I'm just going to make this one quick reference, and this is something that, you know, while I was kind oh, of right, re- right, right. researching on this, and I'm going to make it real quick, but I think it, it bears relevance to the conversation that we're having. Um, while I was doing research on this topic before we got on, one of the things that kind of jumped out at me, and I didn't make the connection at the time, and it is a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it, but it's an older movie, and and it's based on a book, and I'm talking about Stephen King and the film is Misery. Misery mm-hmm. on, its, on its face is about toxic fandom because you literally have a fan of you know the the um, it's
1: novels, right?
0: The novelist and I, I forget the great the great actors' um,
1: well, name. It was,
0: uh, that it was James
1: Con and James Con. Thank you.
0: Yes, James Con. Don't you
1: worry. She I got the kidnaps the the
0: author because he is about to go kill her favorite character in the book. If that's not a signal of what toxic fandom is and can become. I don't know what it is and there's even a point in in that story where she basically asks the author who she's kidnapped and is holding hostage in her house to burn the book that she's so against. You know, he, he kind of symbolism saw this coming way 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 back then. So, you know, it, like I said it was just an interesting thing that I I think needed to be mentioned on this podcast because we've been living with toxic fandom for quite a while. It's just really ramped up in the last maybe decade or so. And again, directly tied with the rise of social media.
1: I have a question, if I may, for the crew. Do you think that maybe the toxic fandom because of the power they're given on social media is over, over representative of the fan base in general. To put another way, is is it are there is it just a few? Uh, let's let's for let me know I'm, for lack of a better term, is it just a few jackasses who are hijacking well, the conversation, or is it a really large and dedicated contingent of jackasses? What's
0: what's that phrase? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yes, mm-hmm. I I think I think that has a, a lot to do with it. Um, I think you have this this, you know it's a small yeah it's a small but very loud and vocal group that really kind of ruins it for everybody um yeah you know and again like i said fandom is can be and should be very positive but again you have these small group of individuals who either a feel entitled because that's kind of you know the um the attitude of of our society right now is like, I'm entitled to do anything. I have freedoms where I can say anything. The whole First Amendment thing, I have a right to say whatever I want, whenever I want, to who I want. Those people are the loudest. Those people are either those entitled people, those people are either the ones that want to get the the greatest amount of likes, the ones that want to kind of, you know, rustle the you know rustle the the situation and, and and start you know the fire and things Russell like that feathers. yeah exactly you know that's i think that's what it is i think if you look at it fandom really is for the most part fans that actually love their stuff but there is that large really loud and vocal group that is not a huge group in my opinion but they're the loudest
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that social media makes it very easy for a small percentage of people to come together behind a simple hashtag like release the Snyder Cut. This has been a super interesting conversation to have. Um, It's also been a a really fun episode, I think, uh, to record, Um, you know, having like this provocative, uh, you know, kind of a conversation and hearing all of your points and stuff. Um, really makes me want to have more of these kind of episodes. Um, I hope that like we can kind of make some of these, you know, discussions uh, into our mix of reviews and geek outs and all that stuff. So um, I think unless anybody else has any other final thoughts or points to make, um, I I think uh, we're all good. I just want to yeah, think we're good. I just want to make a final. Uh, a point that
1: that kind of drives home why toxic fandom annoys me so much and it's it's a something it's a story that i'll tell probably for the rest of my life because one of the best movie experiences i think we all had just because of how like communal and wonderful and how much fun people had in the movie was when we watched endgame like isn't it great when the fandoms come together and like yeah you can criticize things like i know people who still love the movie that hated a couple of aspects of it
3: but Robert like Downey, think you about know.
1: how yeah, I mean, I mean, think about how how great it is when you have those moments in the theater of like just a like a really pure fan base coming together. You have the cap moment, you know, when he picks up Mjolnir, and you have the whole crowd going freaking crazy. When when you have this toxic fandom that just wants to basically like uh, to to PG this, they want to poop on everything that they don't like and just criticize it and they take one aspect of it and they, they say that there's no redeeming qualities to the entire medium or to the entire movie, the entire TV show because of one aspect of it, whether it's, oh, because a character is a color that I don't like or a gender that I don't like or says something that doesn't agree with my worldview. I, I just have to say, as my last thought to those toxic fans out there, you guys are boring. Just stop. You're boring. You're you're not cool. You're not interesting. You're not edgelords. You are boring. And I really, really hope that we get to a point as a society where we learn to not give, to not fuel the fire for some of these things. I don't think that we will, but like, come on, people. These guys are boring. They're just boring. They're just a, I, they're I, attention. I'm, people. I'm going to
2: <laughs> they just want attention. That's my final thought. <laughs> go ahead man I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hijack a little because I I never like to end on a negative note I think I'm going to counter that and I'll put money on this I think that at some point eventually the the there will be a movement to combat the toxic fandom and um, you know I always like to believe that good always prevails the fact that we're talking and about it I like it. to think that there's more it's good good than evil out there and uh, even though even though you know it might be misrepresented in proportion, I like to think that we can band together and, and fight this. Maybe it's a cause that we need to start kind of taking up. I'm Maybe calling get, it here. Taking up. So get yeah. call it what? I'm calling Assemble. it
4: here. Hashtag cancel the toxic stands.
2: Ooh. <laughs> I like that cancel hashtag. toxic fandom. I like that. Let's yeah. do it. But then cancel. We're gonna what? cancel the cancelers.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then we're gonna be <laughs> yeah. accused of yeah. cancel Wave. culture when we yeah. do that. Wave. Wait, uh, it, when it's will a it end? yeah, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, <laughs> really. You know. Yeah,
2: tis very. Well, I don't know. To be continued. Maybe we'll have this discussion again in a year and see where we're at. Yeah,
1: so when they release Justice League two, we'll have this conversation.
2: <laughs> all right, so I think uh, I think that does it for us. Yeah. Um, once again, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I think you guys, um, I think we all had a. I think we all came away with maybe a little bit more. Information, some new insight, some new perspective on a couple points. I think we all generally agree on everything. Um, but like I said, I hope I hope that we are, you know, moving towards a to, towards more light. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for following us and and staying, you know, on this episode all the way to the end. Uh, please like, rate, share, and subscribe as we always ask. It's the best way to support us. The second best way is to also. Just you know, tag someone right now in our post and send us information, questions, comments. Hopefully, not any toxic comments. <laughs> um, and uh, and give us feedback so that we can keep getting better. You know, please, so, please do. Anyways, uh, I guess
1: that's it. Yeah, I mean, let's sign off by saying, hey guys, let's just enjoy this golden age of media that we're getting of you know, superheroes and other stuff like that. Let's criticize it in a healthy way. And let's just be good fans, man. How much fun is it when we all get to be good fans and just, like, enjoy things and have these arguments and discussions in a, in a positive way, right? So, I mean, all y'all out there, all y'all geeks out there, stay safe, stay kind, and you know what to do. Just stay geeky, y'all. Stay geeky, y'all.